Welcome in, Bench Warmers, episode 43 of the Far End of the Bench podcast. Jimmy Pilato, Nico Bryant. This is a gritty episode. We uh, stayed up late, made sure that we had the results of the Nuggets game before we recorded a podcast. So when you see us on the street, if you know us and are going to come across us, be sure to give a thank you to us. We talk about NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. We had another big collapse coming out of Canada. It's not just Edmonton. Toronto joined the bandwagon, so we got a, a lot to talk about there. Obviously, we got some great topics for our partnership segments, too. So it's a jam-packed, gritty playoff episode. You guys are going to enjoy it, and we're glad that you're here rocking with us. Be sure to follow Far End of the Bench at FEOTB Pod, and be sure to keep up with everything going on there. Once the playoffs are over, we're still going to be bringing you great content. we got a lot of ideas planned, so you're going to want to follow us. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platforms. If you leave a five-star rating with a review, it's going to get read on the podcast. I'm just going to leave it there and and we'll let you guys run with that. Uh, But Nico, Ball Arena has been booming, man. This is great. Man, I just sat through a double overtime game and now got an episode out, man. If if you hear my voice crack at all, don't blame me. Not all heroes wear capes. Let's. It's 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 because it's the playoffs, baby. It's the playoffs. It's playoffs. Playoff mode. I've had a large mouth pass bust my line. A couple beautiful girls tell me goodbye. Trucks break. Well, 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 it wouldn't be the 2021 NHL season if we didn't have not one, but two major Canadian collapses. Let's set the stage. You know what I'm talking about if you're a hockey fan and watching the playoffs. 6,000 plus days, 17 years, 28 different goaltenders. That is how many different scenarios you can use to talk about this Toronto playoff drought. And there were a lot of different conversations going on surrounding this series the entire way. Is this the year that Matthews finally breaks through? Is this the year Toronto breaks the playoff curse? Well, they were up 3-1 in a perfect position for a gentleman's sweep going into game five. Didn't happen. Let Montreal hang around, let Montreal hang around, and then they don't even show up in game seven. It's not like it's been that terrible being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, but it's comparable to some of the other worst franchises around the world of sports. Think about the Indians in baseball. Think about the Bengals in football. Yes, I know. I'm taking a shot at you Leafs fans, but I'm also going to make sure that I get mine too because I need to hear it continually. This is about as bad as it gets. If you're a football fan, put it this way. I'll get Nico's opinion on this once we get through the center of attention, but This is like the Broncos going to the AFC Championship, getting a 35-point lead, start of the fourth quarter over the Kansas City Chiefs, and you watch Patrick Mahomes score 38. That's what this was like for Toronto Maple Leafs fans. So I feel for you, but I'm not going to not take this opportunity to tell you that was absolute garbage. For as much crap as I'm sure you guys all talked about Edmonton getting swept by Winnipeg, you guys just lost. It had a series in seven games that you had a 3-1 series lead on. And also it was to the Montreal Canadiens, your most hated rival, the most successful team in NHL history. You have to continue to hear that. You have to continue to hear how you can't win in the playoffs. 
and how Austin Matthews is just rotting away when all you're doing is spinning your wheels. The most relevant thing that the Toronto Maple Leafs have been involved in other than the NHL 18 cover that Austin Matthews was on was the Love Guru. And Mike Myers almost got canceled for that movie. That's the state of this franchise. And that's this week's center of attention. All right. This episode of the far end of the bench is presented by the unhinged sports network in partnership with fanatics.com. Uh, Nico, I, it's a late night. I already posted it on our story. It's, it's a late night, right but after. it's a damn good night. It is a damn good night. I'll tell you that. Business is yeah. booming over here. I'll tell you that. Business is freaking booming. If you can't tell, this is right after game five, uh, the double overtime. They call it a classic. It was really five on one. That's basically what the game came down to. Literally. But hey, literally. I mean, the dude scored 55 points. Dame Lillard is insane and unconscious. And we can talk about him. We'll talk about him plenty once we get to the Nuggets. But uh, I did want to bring up, first of all, let's just point out the fact we are not the most degenerate gamblers that that have a podcast. Because uh, if you're a fan of Barstool and the Spit and Chicklets podcast, then you know Paul Bissonnette put his uh, foreskin on the line. There's no better way to say that. He he bet his, yeah, he he bet his. uh, circumcision that the Toronto Maple Leafs would win their first round playoff series. Obviously that didn't come to pass. Um, but do you agree with me that this collapse is on par with, with what I wrote, wrote down there and said in my center of attention? Jimmy, I told you Toronto was going to fuck up somehow. I told you, I 100% told you, I said it was, I thought it was going to be the Edmonton, but they fooled all of us and they did it to freaking Tor- or Montreal. I mean, holy cow. What a freaking three, one. Worst lead in yeah. sports? Can we call it now? Worst lead in sports? I mean, like, 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 like what? Like three one leads are meant to be broken. Like, cause look, you look, cause the three one leads, you eat that game five is a must win. You lose game five, all the momentum goes to the other team. Every single bench of momentum goes to the other team. And man, when Montreal got one, they're like, all right, we can do this. It's Toronto. They're gonna mess, they're gonna fumble the bag somehow. 6,000 days, man. It's been 6,000 days since they won a playoff series. And it's been, it's been, you know, 17 years. That's 17 years for those of you who convert that out. It's also been like 70 years since they won a Stanley Cup. They're one of the most storied franchises in all of hockey. They haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1970. It was 1967, I think, was their last Stanley Cup. Toronto is officially a basketball town. That team, that state, that city, I mean, I don't, I province, not Providence, not state. That Providence and that city does not own the, the Toronto Maple Leafs anymore. That is a Toronto Raptors city and a Toronto Blue Jays t- city. They could care less about the Leafs. I, I feel like they would all want to forget about the Leafs' existence <laughs> at this point because there's been uh, part of my take had the big mad hashtag brought back and then seeing some of these videos – I saw, um, if you're a fan of The Wedding Singer, if you're a big Adam Sandler fan, you've seen that movie. They did a parody of his song that he wrote about his ex-girlfriend in that that movie about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Just what we're basically saying, if you know somebody in the Toronto area and he happens to be a Leafs fan, reach out to him today. It's a tough day. Edmonton may change their team name to the Eskimos, and then now the Leafs blew a 3-1 lead to Montreal. I, I feel like if it was to anybody else, it would be – 
disappointing but not devastating. This is devastating. That's oh, the I mean, biggest rival that honestly, they have. Honestly, the biggest winners of all this is Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl because no one gives a fuck that they got swept anymore. No one could care less because Toronto fumbled the bag even worse than they did. So and no one cares about what their no-show in the playoffs. And Toronto's sitting over here, man. Oh, my gosh. That is – look – I'm not going to say, I mean, because I watched the Clippers and the Jazz blow 3-1 leads that were pretty damn bad. But that, bad, considering, yeah. considering the history behind that and how how good everyone thought this team would be, it, it, it came down to two things. First of all, Carey Price is still Carey Price. Yeah. Man, when it comes to the playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, good forwards can you win you regular season games. Good goalies win you playoff series. Good goalies when you play off series. Don't be surprised if Montreal can make it to the Final Four because, man, good goaltending gets you places. And if you don't have that at all, you're going nowhere. And their defense also on the back end was horrendous. It doesn't matter if you have five all like all NHL forwards up front. If you have no defenseman and a goalie that is inconsistent, you're never going to go anywhere. Yeah, it- if we thought we were getting Matthews versus McDavid in the second round of the Canadian playoffs, we ended up getting Hellebuck versus Carey Price, which it'll hey, be I'm fine. I'm not mad with. I'm not mad with. Let's let's keep with the goaltenders real quick before we start talking about the game specifically in the series coming up, uh, because we have some big news. I think this is the first goaltender for the Colorado Avalanche up for a Vesna Trophy since Simeon Varlamov, probably back in 2013. I think was his best season with Colorado, but they did announce the three finalists today. Andre Vasilevsky, Mark Andre Fleury, obviously two of the names associated. But then we got that that German sitting back there, Philip Grubauer, all of a sudden thrust into oh, the national spotlight. <laughs> he's he's he thrust into the national spotlight and he hasn't missed a beat. Like this is incredible. Unfortunately, they don't add in playoff games to this Vesna. It's probably going to be Andre Vasilevsky because he he got snubbed from it last year. But what does this mean for just to have a finalist in this award? Oh man, I've been I've been saying this since last year. Grubauer is the real deal. Grubauer is one thousand percent the real deal. He is such a damn good goaltender. The only problem with him is health. That is the only narc. That is the only thing that we have that that has been struggling with the Avs with him is health. Every time he steps on the ice, he is the best goaltender on the ice. Doesn't matter who you're facing, whether it be Robbie Lanier and that idiotic choice in game one, or Flurry. Or freaking um, Carey Price, Grubauer will stand on his head and be the best goalie on the ice. And man, he he it's incredible. He's man, look, he deserves it. Will he win it? No, but it it is worth noting because he it's it's incredible what he's been doing. Yeah, and I also think this is just another chapter in the legacy of Mark Andre Fleury. We thought we know that he's going to be a Hall of Famer after winning his cups in Pittsburgh, um, and now being able to go to Vegas. And he wasn't even supposed to be the number one. Remember, Pittsburgh held on to um, Murray to keep so that Marc-Andre Fleury could go in the supplemental draft. They don't have either of them now. And Tristan Jari just cost him a playoff series. I think they would be more than happy having Marc-Andre Fleury, even though he's 36 years old on the bench, because what they had in that first round was absolutely terrible. But he's still, Flowers still one of the top three goalies in the game, obviously. And at this at that point, Flurry was 33-34. And Pittsburgh said, you know what? We're gonna go with the younger version of Flurry because we trust the young guy. Well, they shipped the young guy and said, we're, we don't like you anymore, anyways. 
and now we're now Pittsburgh is sitting on their asses at home, and Marco Andre Fleury play all seven games in the first series. He should be playing in this series, but he hasn't yet. And man, it, he is a top ten goal, goaltender of all time. He, I mean, you could argue top five even because of his track record and all his playoff success. Because although, I mean, because I saw a weird side. He has never won the Vezina either. He, I mean, he, he has been, he has never been the best goalie in the NHL for any, for a single year, but he has still been so damn good every year that it doesn't matter where Pittsburgh was. doesn't matter where Vegas was in the playoffs. You, you trust him number 29 between the pipes. Yeah. And I'm looking up his playoff record right now is 80, 84 and 64. So he's got over 130 plus playoff games under his belt and he's won a good majority of those with 16 shutouts as well. He is, if he wins another cup, he's top five goalie of all time, goaltender of all time. And it's not even a question. We just saw one of those great generational talents. If, if he does end up, you know, we hope that it's not this year, but if it ends up being this year, that would be something interesting to see. It would be a guy taking that next step and becoming one of the possible greats of all time. So that would be something, but let's, let's move on and let's talk about this Canadian division. We talked about it. Toronto did blow, blow a three, one lead. Uh, Winnipeg gets the four Oh sweep over Edmonton. And we end up with Winnipeg and Montreal. It worked out for us because we were talking about it last week. If, uh, if Toronto would have made it past Montreal, we would have had to hope Winnipeg could upset Toronto, which would have been probably a lock anyways. But this makes it so that we play the Canadian team no matter what. But we, we talked about it a little bit. Just uh, we, we touched on it a little bit. What is Montreal going to have to do to make sure that they get past Winnipeg? Because you can argue they have the momentum, but we saw what happened when one team goes seven and the other team got a four-game sweep. Game one might be a wash. Yeah, I mean, look, Carey Price is unreal. He's going to have to do that exact same thing again. Thing again. Um, the thing is, with Winnipeg, they have some forwards that 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 are just unreal. Like, it, look, they gotta have they gotta have Shifley. They gotta have Blake Wheeler just going. They gotta have them going, man. It's look, it, it's it's one thing to have your goaltender stand on his ass, but you gotta have your forwards going. And, and I look at what Montreal has done, man. They had a bunch of young guys just step up. They just have guys that are hungry. Cole Caulfield, the I, I mean, I can't pronounce his name, but the guy who had the game winner in game six, Caprinet Coffee, I don't freaking know. It's late, but yeah. I, I mean, whatever his last name was, I apologize for messing your name up, but that, that's a, that, that was a rookie too. They just have young dogs that are hungry, and it's going to come down. Look, you have a chance to be the first Canadian team since Vancouver to get to the final four, and that has been eight years. And both teams are hungry. Montreal has the history. Winnipeg has the, I guess, I mean, a little bit different story because they moved from Atlanta and blah blah blah. But um, it's 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 incredible to see, and they're going. To, it's going to be an all war. I think we're going to see games where you hammer the under, hammer the under every single time because Carey Price and Hellebuck are going to be unbelievable. Two of the top goaltenders in the world. They proved it after round one, but. The- they these two teams do have some of the firepower Montreal we talk about how good the young players are for Colorado the young players for Montreal I believe they had one line everybody was at least 20 21 or younger so they they're getting people to step up I think it does help that the Canadians they are the most successful NHL franchise in history they have I think 27 Stanley Cups they are the last Canadian team to win it so if anybody's going to try and 
break that curse, why not be the Canadians? But I really, do you see the winner of this Canadian division making any trouble for the winner of the West? No, I'm going to be honest with you, whether it be Colorado or Vegas, I'm just going to say one or the other, because I'm trying to be unbiased here. Either one of those teams is going to run through Montreal or, or uh, uh, Winnipeg. If Winnipeg comes yep. out, it's going to be a 4-0 sweep. If Montreal comes out, it'll be a five-man or five-game, six-game gentleman sweep because they're good goaltenders. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I really thought anybody that came out of the Canadian division once they got to the Final Four, they were in for a rude awakening. Um, the only good thing is that they haven't seen each other either. But you also got to think that the Canadian team, once they get to the Final Four, they're going to have to be in a, a host American city. They're not going to be able to travel back and forth from the Canadian border. So that's going to be something that they're going to also deal with. They just got to raw into the deal. It, easiest path to get to the final four, hardest path to make it through the final four is what happened with the North division. Really, I think all the fans of that division would say that there's no chance they had a, a shot for a Stanley Cup this year. I think Toronto was their best shot because just talent wise and, and what they had, but it wasn't even going to be close. What we're seeing out, out West, even though it was a 7-1 blowout in game one, we're about to see one of those top, top-notch top playoff series we haven't really seen since, uh, I would say, like the, the Detroit, New Jersey, early 2000s days, where, you know, both teams, if they make it through that series, are 1-2. Yeah, as it was, it was, yeah, it was Hasek versus uh, Rodor, man. Now we got Grubauer versus uh, Fleury. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, in game one, we'll talk. let's talk about that now. Let's transition over there. It, the rest was evident. Vegas looked tired. They started with their fourth line out. So the, the message was trying to be sent early, but what a bad position DeBroer put Robin Lehner in. Whether Lehner, it was a no-win situation for him because if he comes out, put, pitches a shutout or a one-goal one game, then you have a controversy possibly. Now there's no controversy, but you don't have, I wouldn't trust Lehner to become, to come in as a backup goaltender. So now you're stuck with Flurry and whatever he's going to give you. And we saw from the avalanche Sunday night, if their offense is rolling, there's not much you can do to stop them. That was clearly evident. Kale McCarr had four points. Oh uh, the dude gosh. is 21 years old. The front line was unbelievable, man. Look, this this avalanche team, talk about an idiotic choice. Flurry, you put your best players on the ice. Vegas gave up game one. You're mm -hmm. telling me that the the that Vegas had Okay, just theoretically, yes, I'm biased here. Take that this into account. But you're telling me that Vegas can get now four wins by the time that Avs get three more? You can't give up games in the playoffs. Lanier had not seen the net in over two or three weeks, and you throw him out there like a duck on a pond that is getting ready, shot by a hunter. There was no shot. He, he was getting his ass lit up. And honestly, it wasn't his fault. He was having no. a pretty decently game. Their defense was ass. Oh, my God, was it terrible. Kale McCarr was tearing them up, man. I mean, look, you, 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 have, a, you have a Hall of Fame goaltender. You put him in the net until he can't fucking walk. Yeah, you, you ride your Hall of Fame goaltender until, until you can't. This is the playoffs. Vegas conceded game one, knowing that, well, I, well, we can win three, or we can win four before they win three. No, this is not how playoffs work, man. We, we see it in basketball. We see it in hockey, man. Seven-game series come down to who wants it more, and the better team comes out. And right now, Vegas is, pl Vegas is playing with their food. 
they think, oh, we got this ribeye steak in our hands, but no, nah, the Avs are fucking snatching that shit and saying, this is ours to take, and you're going to have to come take it. They're also doing the same thing we saw against St. Louis. They stood up to the physical play that Vegas had. The Yes, the fourth line on that first shift kind of kept them in their defensive zone, but after that, we saw Vegas get desperate. That was Ryan Reeves pulling Ryan Graves' hair out in the scrum in front of the net. That was pushing Grubauer's head in with a stick. It was, yeah, he cross-checked Grubauer in the head and then decided to give Ryan Graves a new haircut. Um, And then the reverse hit Pacioretty had on Gerard was right to to his head. We saw what they're trying to do, and we saw that the Avalanche were still able to score three goals once the Knights knew that they had to start gumming it up. This, This Avalanche team is strong. They're able to come out of these corner fights with the puck. And even I would say they handled Ryan Reeves and what the Vegas Knights were trying to throw at them perfectly because you proved that when Ryan Reeves is on the ice, it's basically five on four because Reeves can barely skate with the puck. There's no, he has no offensive or defensive threat on the ice. The only threat that he has on the ice, he averages 10 minutes a game. He averages 10 minutes and 10 hits in those 10 minutes. That's all he's there out there to do. So I really liked what I saw from game one. And I don't want the the narrative about this game to be, well, if, if Flurry was in net, it wouldn't have been that much. If Flurry was in net, it's probably for nothing. I, I think that they still get to him. When you have three or four minutes of attacking presence at a time and your back check is keeping the puck in the offensive zone where you're not even having to tag up, the, the Vegas has no – had no answer in game one. It'll be interesting to see what comes out in game two. One thing I know is game two is going to be a knockdown drag out war. You know, Vegas is going to try and steal one in Colorado and they know that they have no more games left to give. So you're going to get the most desperate Vegas team. Let's see what the avalanche can do. But if they make it through this series, I'm very confident in what they do with the rest of the way going forward. Oh, no doubt about that. Look, the Avs are, they're, they're not being pushed around. Neither Denver team – look, Denver is fucking nails and guts all over the place. As Mark Mosier said, guts all over the fucking place, man. Because every time a team steps in a ball arena or, or what it used to be called Pepsi Center, you are going to feel every single inch of that Avalanche team and this Denver Nuggets team. Both teams are going to give you their best shot, and you're not going to come out with your legs with your legs at least battered, bruised, whatever it may be. It was evident from the start that uh, snipe from Miko on the opening goal set the tone. The Landeskog feed from Kale McCarr was amazing. They're really, I mean, top-notch goals all around. And we had another, nobody said, oh boy, because they all saw what happened to Petrangelo when he said that. But there was another moment where Nathan McKinnon just went NHL 21 mode, skated past everybody. These are professional athletes that he's just skating around, got to the front of the net, went top shelf over Laner. These guys are on an, on another level, and, and it makes me it, it, it makes me confident to see because we knew about Carolina, we knew how talented they were in the past couple of years. Tampa Bay, uh, let's move to that series because Tampa Bay just took a two nothing lead, absolutely stole home ice away from the Hurricanes. Um, so Carolina did have the tougher matchup in the first round. Do you see them being able to come back from a two zero deficit? Your mic's away from your face. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, like I said, sorry. I mean, I mean, I haven't had a snack. I need at the game because I was yelling. But um, yeah, look, they're gonna, they're gonna, everyone's gonna keep fighting. There's, there, there's, it, it's things change. Like series don't start until you lose a home game, and um, with with Carolina and uh, uh, oh my gosh, Carolina, Tampa Bay, Boston, 
Tampa Bay, there we go. Um, it's going to be back and forth. Both you have Tampa Bay, who's the Stanley Cup champions. You have Carolina, who's just hungry. Um, that's everyone talked about Vegas and, and the Avs as the best series. I think that's the best series, honestly. That's the series that's going to. I mean, all of these are going to be are fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but I mean that that series you have. I mean, a cup, fa- a cup, a cup favorite, and against a, a reigning champion. Man, that's that's such good stuff. Both these teams were picked to come out of this division at the beginning of the season. So this, these are the two best teams left in the Central. Um, one thing I did want to mention, Braden Point, we talk about how exclo- explosive Nathan McKinnon is. <laughs> Braden Point is just the South Florida version of Nathan McKinnon. The dude is all offense. He has seven points in seven games, and he he got the scoring going in, the, in game one and kept the Tampa Bay Lightning from – they were able to win – the game on the road and, and take control of that series. I, I could see them. I don't know if they finish it in four, but with the two Oh lead finishing it in five is not out of the realm of possibility. Oh, that would be on Carolina's that. ice too. Yeah. Gentlemen's the gentleman's sweep. So, yeah, it would be something that would be interesting for sure. Tampa Bay. I don't think that they're as dangerous as they were last year, but Victor Hedman, Braden point Nikita Kucherov when they're on fire. Plus now you got to throw in Stamkos too. Stamkos isn't even a top top tier guy on their team anymore yet he's still contributing that's a oh, yeah. going to be an interesting division to watch uh, but let's now move to the last east division another one where the two lower seeds came out of it Boston won game one five two and now the Islanders able to to split the games in the garden four three in overtime but is New York can this New York team get hot like we saw last last season in the bubble Western oh. or Eastern Conference final run Oh, it's, no doubt it's about possible. that. It's, it's the dogs that got our fun. Barley, man, Barley was um, – Bar- Barley is, is is all that and so much more. I loved him in Denver. It's just we had someone better. And I love what he's doing over there. They're hungry. Boston is playing with their food, man. Like I said, you can't be playing with your food. It's the goddamn playoffs, bro. You cannot be saying, oh, well, they split the series, whatever. New York is – buzzing man the islanders wanted that that city that's i mean everyone talks about the knicks but new islanders got the best chance at winning something there and man they they are barzal and and all those dogs they got up the front and the great defense i mean they they lost their best defenseman Devontae's, and they're still balling so like look the islanders gonna give them all the run for the money question i have is boston has the the willpower and and the horse like horsepower they are going to be just – when they're on, there's very few teams that can keep up offensively with them. But defensively, without Charlie on the back end, you're relying on Charlie McAvoy and a bunch of other young guys. And, look, they're, they're, they're making mistakes, and then you have Tuka back there who makes mistakes too. You cannot have that. You have the star power. That's exactly what Edmonton did. They have the star power, but they just rely too heavily on them. And then when you rely too heavily on them to score goals instead of setting plays up and getting other players involved, that's where you find yourself in trouble. Yeah, and the other X factor, I, mean, I agree with you that Tuka can be a, a head case. Boston doesn't have a backup goaltender to go to. And we saw Sorokin, the backup goaltender for New York, come in and actually maybe play better than Simeon did in the games that he started. So they had two goaltenders. I mean, yes, Simeon had a bad first round, you could say, but I would still be confident giving him the net if Sorokin starts getting shelled as a young rookie. Or, you know, we've seen it before. Bennington was – that was his first play postseason run when the Blues went on and won the Stanley Cup. So Sorokin could pull the same kind of magic that we saw back then. 
and New York, the Islanders do have a little bit of a championship pedigree. It's been a while, but when they get that, that barn rocking, if you're playing on the Island, it's a difficult place to win. So Boston's going to have to try and split the game. One of the two games there and then see if they can finish it out on home ice. But if they don't do that, New York's going to push this to seven. And then we have another team that's probably going to be depleted going into the final four. Just an absolute dogfight, man. Just an absolute dogfight. Of these, of the six-ish teams, let's see. Uh, yeah, it's six teams left. Um, now that all the playoff matchups are set, besides the Avalanche, who are you, who, who are you liking the most so far in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Man, I have to go Tampa. I have to go Tampa. Because Tampa, I like. I think we're. Uh, it, it was a blessing the skies Toronto losing because there's a good chance. I mean, look, knock on wood, Jimmy. I'm knocking on wood. Knock on wood here for me, buddy. Because there's a good chance we can get an opportunity where we we uh, ran we run into a situation where we have Tampa and Colorado in the Stanley Cup final, and that would be fucking electric. Oh my gosh, man! Those two powerhouses. You have a team that's so so hungry and and it's it's it'd be so much fun to watch those two teams match each other very well too because i think tampa's blue line is pretty good but colorado's has stepped up um hopefully i mean graves didn't return in game one hopefully he's not going to be missing for any games moving forward because he's been big on penalty kills but victor Hedman going up against kale mccarr battle a generational defenseman there and Vasilevsky versus Grubauer. That's going to be the, the new Wah versus Brodeur, hopefully. And we uh, see that gonna, for. We're not going to go that far because they're not Wah and Brodeur. Maybe they will be, but I mean, yeah, we're not going be. that far yet. That's the greatest. Uh, those two are one and one A of greatest goaltenders of all time. So that is a little bit of a stretch. Um, I, I will say that Carolina's won the internet, but I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show because that was a great A troll job that I just loved. And that guy deserves a raise who's running the social media for the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, but yeah, that's Stanley Cup playoffs, obviously. I haven't missed a, a minute of Avalanche playoff action. I'm very proud of that this season. Oh, I, and I'll I'm be honest, I haven't, wa- I haven't watched it. I maybe watched maybe one full game of playoff hockey outside of the Avs. I've watched every single Avs game too, and I'm proud to say that. Yeah. It's it, something, I mean, I wouldn't, I know I want to go to both, but a Stanley Cup parade again, that would be something. Man, I, I how just much want fun it. would a Stanley it. Cup parade alongside the NBA Finals parade? Just duel, yeah. duel, do it together, do it together. And then we, and then we'll get the All Star game like three weeks after that. So Colorado would Fire be booming. A lot of, lot of money coming in. Um, so now let's transition to the NBA playoffs. Do you want to start with the Nuggets? Since I know you're still, I mean, you're still in your guard from game five. So do we want to start with this game five double overtime thriller? First of all, it took me uh, four games to get my lucky jersey out. This is the jersey that got me, that got the Nuggets through both 3-1 series. Both three one series. I was catering to this to our listeners a little bit. I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll rock the bird jersey for the first couple of games. See how it goes. Fortunately, we lose. You know how it goes. And then we then we, then I I changed up the Mutombo one. Mutombo one didn't work. So now we're back with the OG, one of the best jerseys of all time, the fifteen black skyline from Jokic. Man, oh man. Oh, if my voice gives out sometime during this episode, you'll know why. You will know why, because man, oh man, when I say ball arena is rocking, ball arena is rocking. I have, I, thinking back two years ago, the last time I saw a playoff game in my, in Pepsi Center, what it was, was the game seven loss to Poland. 
and here we are two years later after watching last year sitting on my ass at home sitting my ass at home and covering games on a podcast while watching games on tv and it's it's unfortunate that we can't cast as many games because i'm losing my voice at the games but you know what it is it is it is so well worth it man i love this team i love this look this whole city this is not a football town anymore this is a basketball hockey town I look the Broncos until they get number 12 and orange and blue are irrelevant. They are irrelevant. This is a basketball and hockey town. This city, this state has embraced both teams and man, I have never seen a team and organization just scratch and claw for everything and get what they want. Look, we are, we have everything going against us. Everything going against us. Whether it be the Damian Lillard foul on the three-point shot, which was the worst call in NBA history. Go back and look at that bullshit. And they get a three to tie it up to send to overtime. And then I'm sitting there like, well, I've been standing up for 10 minutes already in the fourth. Here I go for another five in overtime. And then, oh, oh here Dave, Dame is coming again. So I guess I get a double overtime. But, man, oh, man, the resilience to never let your head down. They never let your head down. This Nuggets team could have been like, fuck, Dame is just cooking our ass. And he was. He was cooking our ass. I feel bad for Austin Rivers. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy had so many yeah. threes hit on his head. Uh, <laughs> he had, oh, my it was, God. Uh, MBJ had, had a bad one. MPJ and Shaq Harrison, those were the oh two extension God. threes. But... I, uh, I, there was, I was standing. There was a Blazers fan behind me. And I was just standing there in disbelief. I was like, Fuck, what are you going to do? Because, man, look, the Nuggets, the Blazers are a one-trick pony. What they have done mm. to Damian Lillard is put nothing around him. Nothing around him. It is a damn shame. I am looking at the same team, basically, I saw two years ago, plus Mello. Same exact team. They have done nothing to help him. This is a generational-type point guard, and we are seeing he, he puts up 55, and you lose. How does By that seven. Happen? How do you have that happen? He had 10 points the other night, and we lost by 20. Like, where this is the most inconsistent team. I was yelling down the stretch. I was like, man, just let anyone else shoot the ball. If anyone else hits a shot, I can sleep at night because knowing that Dame didn't fucking do this all night. And then you get to a point where, look, Malone, I mean, the, should you have fouled? <laughs> Probably. But what I – because on the ride home, I was listening to the post-game press conference, and Malone said – he was asked, why did you not foul when, 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 they're, when you're up by three and Dame had the ball in his hands? He said simply, I, I have more faith in Dame to complete the four-point play than I do of my team just fouling and make sure he doesn't get shot up. That's respect to Dame because, man, you, you foul Dame at the top of the key. You know what he's doing. He's hucking that thing up. He'll make it. He'll make it. So I, yeah. I, I get it. it. It makes sense. But, man, oh, man. It go- yeah, go ahead. It just goes with how they need to th- – we talked about it when the series – they split the first two games at Ball Arena. This was going to be back and forth. Nobody was going to win back-to-back games, and so far that's been true. But now the Nuggets do have that opportunity that – they can close this thing out and and maybe make a better case for what they're going to do in the next round because they are getting – I mean, it would be a difficult – it's difficult to gauge how well this Nuggets team is going forward. But the fact that you beat one of the greatest – I'll say top two shooters in the NBA right now, 
and you have a team with five guys that shouldn't be on the floor as backups in the NBA, as backups, and you're doing this, to, a guy dropped 55 and you win by seven. That's by seven, I'll take that. It's just, oh man, I, I'll, I'll take that. Man, I, I like I said, the resilience, man. Talk about, talk about, let's talk about the role players, man, because the bench had 50 points tonight. Portland's bench, <laughs> 25. There's a fucking difference right there. Monte Morris, man. Oh my God. I, I, I am such a Monte Morris fan. Every, anyone who's listening to our show can go back 20 fucking episodes, can, can hear about all my Monte Morris stuff, how much I love watching him play the game. He is a backup point guard, but he can start on any fucking roster he wants. But because he likes the bench role and because he has taken that six-man role, he is doing things that are just unreal. Faku wasn't the, the guy who finished the game. He didn't play overtime, either overtime. He didn't play the end of the fourth. Mike Malone went with the guy that we that we trusted for four years now. Monte Morris has played 33 playoff games. He's been in the league for three years. What? Like, like yeah. this guy is a dog. I am so am happy this year because when Jamal comes back, we don't need a two guard. Move Jamal to the two. Move Monte to the one. Let's roll. Because man, look, because yeah. that's a that's a death lineup of Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Nicole Jokic. I will ride or die with that team every night. I will ride or die with that team because I because I know those are a bunch of dogs that will just come out swinging. And man, talk about Michael Porter Jr. too. Michael Porter Jr. didn't score first overtime. Didn't score all the way up until the second overtime. He barely touched the ball in the fourth quarter. And then he hits the biggest three of his life in the eye as Melo is sitting there with his arms crossed. I, look, you better be – I hope y'all are looking at our Instagram too. I posted this shit. I was in the back of that photo. Melo crossed his arms like, oh, I knew this was it. Michael Jordan with a beautiful release. Check under the ball. My hand is raised because I knew that shit was in. I knew that shit was in. And, man, oh, man, it's so damn fun, man. I, I love this – like. I can't. I can't say this enough. I love this team so much, bro. Like, I, I like. I the resilience. Jokic just coming in, firing. My dad and I sitting there. We had Portland fans sitting behind us. <laughs> we were heckling all night. This is this is this is what we missed. This, this I mean, I'm, I'm getting a little emotional here, but this is this is why about we we do the show. This is why we watch sports until until fucking two a.m. and on the East Coast, and why we're recording an episode eleven forty-five Mountain Standard Time. This is why we do this, man, because it's 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 something that brings a joy to so many people's lives, and it is such a fun time to be in Denver. I'll tell you that. Nothing else matters when you get when your team is going into double overtime in a game that it's pretty much must win because you don't want the other team to take a lead in the series. Uh, I want to talk about too Michael Porter Jr. being plus eleven because that was the big talk about the first two years of his career is that the dude can't play defense. Well, Michael Malone I mean, got this guy playing defense. Well, playing mean, to, defense to a point. And then, <laughs> to a point. Uh, plus eleven means that you. I mean, yes, he scored twenty six points, so his defense wasn't great, but it's better than it ever has been, and oh, he's yeah. actually taking pride in playing on that end of the floor. Not something that, we, that we've really seen from him. So I give him a lot of credit because yeah, young guys don't young guys don't do that. One of the reasons why he didn't play his, his quote unquote second first year in the league because he was hurt um, was because he had that because he couldn't play defense and he couldn't get a shot going. And then the second year, we have the same exact thing happen. He couldn't play at the end of games because he couldn't get a shot going. And that's where we're at. Man, I'm, look, it's it's going to continue like this on and on and on. And Mike is slowly growing into a great player, no doubt about that. 
yeah, I I have faith in what he's going to be able to do with this team. He's going to be one of those cornerstone pieces that we keep around. Denver technically has a big three. Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. Those three guys are going to be in Denver Nuggets colors for a long time, and those three guys can attract some big-name players where Denver might not be a mid-market team. They're still going to be a mid-market team, but they're not going to be a flyover city in the NBA when it comes to free agency. When you got the league's MVP, Jamal Murray, who's one of the most explosive players under 25 in the league, and Michael Porter Jr., six foot eleven with a beautiful three-foot three three-point stroke. It's it's we got something brewing with the Nuggets. It's unfortunate that this year is pretty much a wash, but hey. Hey, Ride the wagon till the wheels fall off. It ain't a wash. Like I said, this team has never died. Never said die. Doesn't matter. Kick us in the balls. Kick us when we're down. Spit on us. Doesn't matter. We're going to keep standing back up. Keep fighting. It's funny you bring up kicking in the balls because now let's talk about the Lakers Sun series and Anthony Davis with the beautiful uh, punt of DeAndre Ayton's uh, three piece set in game two. I think that was game two because he got hurt game three. Uh, but with Anthony Davis now, I don't believe he played tonight and LeBron left the court early. So is this Lakers team done? Are we seeing the demise of the Lakers? Hey, man, I don't know about that. I, I'm, I'm never going to doubt LeBron, but damn, man. I, this has he walked off the court in a playoff game like oh, that before? Yeah, he has. Jordan did. Everybody has done it. He went back to get ice. The game is over. Like, it's, it's, it is what it is. LeBron has done that before. But, man, Talk about resilience for the Suns tonight team. The odds, I remember looking at the odds after game, I think it was game two, or it might have been after game one or game two, when the when the Lakers smacked the Suns and Chris Paul was hurt. It was like plus 550 for the, for the Lakers to win the series. And they were the second favorite outside Brooklyn to win the NBA Finals. And here we are. And, and look, this team is booty. They, without Anthony Davis and LeBron, they do nothing. Because, look, everyone just keys on LeBron or Anthony Davis when one's not out there. Because no one else can do anything. Dennis Schroeder has worked his way out of a contract, a fat contract. He was going to get paid this summer. I ain't paying his ass. Hell no. He has been terrible. Montrez Harold, booty. He's been terrible. Oh, I mean, that, that, the Nuggets ruined him. Michael Forrest Jr. ruined him with that poster. <laughs> I mean – Talk about guys like Marcus Soule, who's won a ring. He, he he's trying to do everything he can. Um, Kuzma is, I mean, I I I, I watch uh, uh, Worldwide World his Twitter or Twitter spheres or whatever after every single night in the NBA playoffs. He was talking about Kuzma's defense. Kuzma has to do more of that, more offense if he's going to be if the Lakers going to win a series, and if they're if they're going to have Anthony Davis or LeBron hurt. And we may. Man, this is going to be tough to say. I'm going to eat my words next week when we talk about this. Um, but LeBron has never lost in the first round of playoffs. He's either not made the playoffs with Cleveland or, la- or when he was hurt or whatever, or he's mm-hmm. made it to the second round. And <laughs> Anthony Davis is tarnishing this guy's legacy <laughs> because LeBron can't do it all. He's 37. Yeah. 30 is a grown I'm, man. I'm 37. I'm a grown man. <laughs> I play till home. June every year. I can't do this anymore. No, I, Kuzma had. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kuzma, 15 points. He was a minus six for the night. That tells that, that you how bad his defense, his defense was. Yeah. It was. That's not good. But also, everybody on the Lakers bench, actually, everybody on the Lakers roster, other than the guys who didn't play, uh, or didn't take a shot. 
there's one guy at plus zero. Everybody else was minus. This was just an all-around loss for the Los Angeles Lakers. But the funny thing is, is I, I have a buddy who's a big Suns fan. He lives right there, and he is petrified of how the rest of the series is going to go. He is zero faith that the Suns are going to be able to close this thing out because, as you say, LeBron is LeBron. And, yes, he sucked tonight, minus 24, even though he scored 24. But if he's able to just get one guy going with him, we saw what he can do. He pushed the Warriors. He shouldn't have been able to win that championship with Cleveland over the Warriors. They should have been done. That's the that's one of the worst 3-1 collapses of all time. Yeah, but that, that, he's that able to do it. Somehow He's done it before. Somehow. It's, it's going to be interesting how the series plays out because – they got to go back to L.A., and I would mm. take a wild guess it's probably going to go seven. If I were a bet, man, this is going to go seven because I think Lakers protect home court. But then you got to think, all right, well, will the young guns and Chris Paul finally get a big get, big series win over somebody? Or will LeBron prevail again? That's the, that's the, that's the story here. It's not on Devin Booker. It's not – I mean, it's, it's a little bit on DeAndre Aiden because of the big man game. But this is on Chris Paul. This is on LeBron James. It is It is legacy series because i mean look we, we should not be calling this a legacy series because the bond has already done enough to solidify his himself as one of the all-time greats but he, he wins another ring you have five rings that's right up there with jordan now i mean although you've been to a lot of finals he, he wants a fifth he badly wants a fifth and he will do anything possible to possibly get that I also think that he doesn't want to lose in the first round because that's something that jordan did that he's never done so if you I don't think that he pays attention to it too much anymore because when you've been, I think it was nine years in a row that he went to the finals before he missed it with the Lakers. When you've done that, you don't really have to worry about it. But having one thing that Jordan had happened to him that didn't happen in your career does help a little bit when it comes to talk of legacy. I think that you take the nine, nine finals appearances over, you know, going 6-0 and when you've never lost in the first round, when you've always had at least a shot. Because if they make it out of this round, they're going to get a very beaten down Portland Trailblazers team, which is a one-man show, or a Nuggets team that is scrappy and they'll probably push you. But we're, we're very – I'm not going to say that they're going to lose the series outright, but it's very difficult for me to say that the Nuggets can step in and beat the Lakers if the Lakers are even somewhat healthy right oh, now, man. just right now. I, I think Portland or Denver. I think. I mean, if Phoenix comes through, I think. I think we'll have a tougher. Uh, I think we'll have a tougher time with LA still. I think. I think Nuggets yeah. can get back Phoenix. I think Portland can too. Um, I, I think that. But I mean, if LA is there, I, I. It's. It's. It'd be a very tough series for either Portland or Denver. Um, but Phoenix, man, shout out to them. They got a young core over there. They just got to get going. Every like going at the right time. Because you got a leader, you got the young guns. Now you just got to put it together. Yeah, and they have a lot of team chemistry. They proved that in the bubble. I don't. I'm not going to bring. <laughs> I brought it up, but I'm not going to bring up the bring details it up anymore. Almost every time we cast them. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's just it's one of the best stories that I can remember for a long time. Um, now let's go to another series where you're kind of going to. We're both going to have to walk back a little bit because the Clippers won both games in Dallas, and now the series is tied two two. Luca is a little bit banged up. Yeah, are we going to see this Clippers team finally show some mental toughness? Porzingis fucking sucks. Let's put this out there. Oh, my God, he is bad. <laughs> if, you, if you guys watch Dude Perfect or whatever, you know that meme where they have the video of the uh, um, basketball stereotypes? The seven-foot center who only shoots threes? 
Yeah. You want to know who's averaging more rebounds in the playoffs right now than Christos Porzingis? Five foot ten Faku Campazo is averaging more rebounds this playoffs than seven foot two Christos Porzingis. That's all you need to know. Porzingis, this is look when the Knicks trade him away. This ain't the Porzingis trade anymore. This is the Tim Hardaway trade. Tim Hardaway has been a bucket for them. But man, this ain't. Everyone thought, oh, well, well, Dallas is their Batman and Robin. They got their Batman and Robin. Kristaps Luka. Well, Batman and Robin is 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 Luka. They're both Luka. It is Luka and Luka. There ain't no there ain't no Robin in this scenario. It is Luka, uh-uh. fifty feet of crap, and everybody else, man. I I said it last week. I was like, Luka can win a series by himself. But if he gets no help whatsoever and he's injured, there's no shot they win the series. It's a damn shame. I down with the LA teams. Like get get the hell get that the hell out of here. We're already out with Miami. New York's about to be gone too. Brooklyn is the only one we have, big city you have to worry about anymore. Like get all them out. Um, but man, that's Clippers just bugging me. Yeah, I think that they're gonna get struggle in the conference semis because Utah looks like they're they're gonna do the gentleman sweep of Memphis in the other series on this side of the bracket for the West. But I. I never bought the Batman and Robin thing because every time that I've tried to watch a Mavericks game, it's never come down to Batman and Robin. It's been Luca, and Luca just somehow carries Porzingis sometimes it's to Luka, look Luka. somewhat decent. Yeah, Luca is uh, schizophrenic, and he's Batman just in his own head, and he's like, assist me with the ball. And Porzingis is like, I'm just going to shoot a three, go grab the rebound, and then it, all hell breaks loose from there. I still, even if this would be – the rinse repeat of the bubble playoffs if Los Angeles does come back and, and beats Dallas, but I still see the same collapse happening. They're not going to win three games though on Utah. I think if, if Utah gets the Clippers, that's going to be a cakewalk series. And that's going to be great because then we're going to get a mid market beating the crap out of a Los Angeles team. And ESPN is going to cry. Jimmy, Utah has a three, one lead in the first round though. It's Memphis. It's Memphis. <laughs> I know it's Memphis. I know it's Memphis, but I love to make that joke every time. Still, so. yeah, yeah. No, they they definitely still are liable, and that's that would be perfect for me to say that they're not going to lose, and then they blow a three-one lead. Did you see that they're comping tickets to John Morant's family? I just oh, saw that as I clicked on ESPN. It's not gonna. That's doesn't make up for anything, and I don't know why they would want to go again. That was. I mean, we Utah's talk Utah's about. Game. Yeah, talk about and this will transition us to the Eastern Conference. But what you what you just said about the moments that you get being in the stadium and that picture, I did I did find you. I was looking at it while you were explaining the story behind it. This Philadelphia Washington series in the Eastern Conference is not known for anything that's going on on the court. It's more known for the fact that this is the series where fans completely forgot how the fuck to act when they get to go watch a game in an arena, because not only do we have the popcorn getting dumped on Russell Westbrook, now we got a guy trying to run onto the court to shoot free throws for Ben Simmons. Great joke. One in, once in a lifetime troll. It, it makes sense. But come on. Like, like, <laughs> Read the room. Remember this time last year, what were we all doing? We were, we were begging. I, I remember vividly watching Premier League soccer. It's the only thing it was on. It was the only look. I, like I watch soccer every now and then, but like there was no sports on. We were grasping onto the last dance, and here we are. We finally get fans back in the arenas, almost full capacity everywhere, 
and people want to be jackasses. Get them the hell out of this game. This is terrible. Look, the, the popcorn instance is terrible. That's like, I mean, people are like, well, popcorn doesn't hurt you. It's not about that. It's the it's disrespect. Yeah. Look, we, we, are, we are this close to another Malice in the Palace. We are this fucking close. Because, look, <laughs> after that happened, because I remember that vividly, after that happened, people were fucking terrified. Nobody mm. didn't do shit. There was no booing. Everyone was like, you're doing great out there. I hope, you're, I hope your family's doing good. Everybody treated with each other with respect. They were like, I don't want to fucking get my ass kicked by Ron Artest. Well, you may you may very well get your ass kicked by Russell Westbrook. So this, I mean, it is yeah. terrible, man. I, I it's it's got to go. People like that got to be kicked out of every single arena, like forever. Like like don't let them back in any arena. Not not just the one they were in in any arena. Right now, I think every, I I think everybody that's had some incident happen, they, they got the guy that poured the popcorn. He's banned from that arena for life. They got the guy who spit on Trey Young in New York. He's banned from the Mecca for life. Um, but this whole guy is looking at ten years, of, ten years of prison. That's yeah, because that was assault with a assault with a deadly it's weapon, weapon is, is what it's considered. It's crazy. I mean, the fact that that's what we're talking about. Did you see uh, Bradley Beal? He got asked today if he feels less comfortable on the court. He's like, it's not that I feel less comfortable, but I'm hood and these hands work. So <laughs> Bradley Beal might kick your ass if he runs onto the floor. That's Bradley Beal, bro. But, man, yeah. I want to touch on this this Philly and Washington series real quick. And Bede's out for game five. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're probably not going to blow a 3-0 lead. But Washington is going to chop that wood down. And when they face Atlanta in the second round, I mean, unless New York comes back in 3-1, that's going to be a hell of a series. And I think Atlanta could bully them around a little bit. Yeah, I mean, without Embiid on the floor, that 76ers team is not a juggernaut in the East. Without Embiid, it's Brooklyn's con- conference to lose. I, do you think I'll now that Brooklyn, Brooklyn and, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, do you think now that Milwaukee and Brooklyn's series is set in the conference semis, do you see Milwaukee being able to get past second round? Don't sleep on Milwaukee, man. Milton and Drew Holiday have been balling. The one problem mm-hmm. that they're running into though is the DiVincenzo injury. Dante DiVincenzo out for the playoffs. He was a great defender. He was a fantastic defender. But you have three guys that can match up to the other team's three stars. You can throw Drew Holiday on Kyrie. You can throw Chris Middleton on James Harden. And you can throw Giannis on KD. There's your defensive matchups. Then you go to, okay, where do the role players step up? And you have guys like Brooke Lopez, who's, who's been around the league for a few years now, who has, has to step up. You have, you have Revenge guys, game for him, too. Revenge game for him, too, against his Against his former team, and let him go, and then you guys look. You look at the bench, the role players for um, Brooklyn and Blake Griffin. I mean, he obviously has bunnies again, which is kind of funny still. Um, but they have to have their bench players step up. Yeah, though they're part. I listen to part of my take religiously, and we'll talk about that. I think too, because you're going to bring up the PLL later on. Um, but they they always like to joke about it's a big four in Brooklyn because Blake Griffin is there too. Blake Griffin could kind of do finally do something in the playoffs. If he steps up big in this series and he's the reason why Brooklyn's able to overcome Milwaukee with Giannis and that new big three that they're kind of discovering up in Milwaukee, that could do something for them too. But uh, I don't know from what Brooklyn showed against Boston. I know Boston was depleted um, and they ended up losing the series before I could ask you the question. 
how much of a star is Jason Tatum? Because he basically had a Jordan game where he dropped 50 and got a game that he probably shouldn't have won, avoided getting swept in four. But how good is that guy going to be? He already is good. He already is a star. He's a, he's a man on a mission. Boston, look, Danny Ainge will do something. He has something like trick up his sleeve. He always does. He always has some trick up his sleeve to improve his team. But when you, when they traded Daniel Tice, I know Daniel Tice is a name people probably don't recognize if you're a non-basketball junkie like myself. When they traded him away to Chicago, their big man room just got depleted. And in the Eastern Conference, with teams that have very, very good bigs all across the board, you're not going to be able to compete. Jalen Brown's a good player. And losing him hurts. But, like, Kemba is a, is a stud. If you have Kemba, look, you might be at a point where you may move on from Jalen Brown and try to get him to our forward center. Because, look, what was a wing recipe is a good guard, a good forward, and a good big. Like, one will obviously be better than the others. Tatum is a star there. But, like, man, they, they got to figure something out because their big man just just got just got destroyed. Look, I mean, and, and look, Brooklyn is, is not – doesn't have the bigs necessarily, but their defense, they could not stop KD. And then when they could stop KD, they couldn't stop James Harden. When they couldn't stop James Harden, they went to Kyrie. That's the three-headed juggernaut they have. That's what teams got to do. Um, when when your one guy is not going, you go to the other one. Jason Tatum didn't have it. No one was there to step up. There was no one there to step up. And that's that's where Jalen Brown may ste- step in and may be that guy. Jason Tatum by himself cannot do that. They are lucky to make like stay in the bubble, or sorry, not stay mm-hmm. in the bubble, stay in the playoffs and and be on be or win a playoff, win the playing game because Tatum single handedly kept that team in. Yeah, and then talk about another guy who's single-handedly winning games is Trey Young in Atlanta, and this will be the last series that we talk about. Um, but before we get to Trey Young, I heard it mentioned earlier today, but do you maybe think – I know Thibodeau's, Thibodeau's a part of the reason why the New York Knicks have turned themselves around, but there's always the question, does he push his team too hard in the regular season to where they can't make a playoff run because they're so tired? I mean, Julius Randle played more minutes than anybody else in the NBA during the regular season. And it's showing now because he's tired. He's not been able to find a rhythm. And the New York Knicks are on the verge of being you know, kicked out of these playoffs in the first round by an Atlanta team. who I don't really think anybody saw much coming from this season. Well, I mean, Atlanta had a terrible start to the season. They fired their coach. They bring in Nate McMillan and things turn around. Trey Young is a stud. But New York, man, what a pitiful, pitiful organization. They had through a fucking parade when they won game one game. They lost game one. They come back one game two, and that city was parading like they won the NBA. Finals. We want Brooklyn. <laughs> and yeah. and they, they obviously don't know what the, how the playoffs work because they wouldn't place nope, Brooklyn no. until the Eastern Conference Finals. And man, look, it, it's good. People people talk about um, New York basketball being old, it's a mecca, and everything. That's where that's where it's 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 generated. And A. Smith played there, but whatever, and. New York Knicks are just they're, – they're, they're on the right track. Let's put it that way. They're on the right track. They weren't there a few years ago. They're on the right track. But you have a team that is – Julius Randle is a young, great player. Don't get me wrong. He's the most improved player of the year. He is an absolute stud. But Derrick Rose, I love Derrick Rose. He is playing great. But this you cannot rely on Derrick Rose as your second-best player. 
That is, that you're a playoff team, but you're not a second round basketball team. I feel like Rose is at the point of his career where he'd be a much better assassin coming off the bench or maybe even that Monte Morris role where you're the backup point guard, but you're still able to generate offense. And I mean, he was because look, game two, yeah. he, he was the bench guy. Alfred Payton started. Alfred mm-hmm. Payton started, and then they started Derrick Rose game three, and that's when everything went to hell. Yeah, changing up lineups, you try and think that you outsmart the other team, but really, Trey Young is just that great of an offensive scorer. We saw that in college. That's, I paid attention to him in college because I knew he could score 100 points if it, if need be, and he's been able to do that so far. He's averaging around 30 points so far. He's been on fire in the Atlanta Hawks. It, they were not supposed to be here. They're probably going to be a second-round playoff team, and who knows? I mean, that, the matchup that they're going to get, if it's a – like you said, if it's a banged-up Philadelphia team, that's an interesting series to watch all of a sudden. Very interesting. You get it. You get a five seed that's possibility to upset the one seed in the Eastern Conference. Come on. That's it's everybody except for ESPN's dream. But then also if Atlanta beats Philadelphia, they would be the biggest market besides Brooklyn left. (laughs) Maybe we got a flip flop on our Atlanta take, Um, but that's uh, that'll wrap up our NBA playoffs discussion before we go into the break most dominant team of the week it's mine is the atlanta hawks 3-1 lead and trey young dropping 30 if they had a real team imagine how good they could be or or imagine if trey young was on an actual team instead of him just having to play playground basketball run around and get open and shoot a three but that's just my two i don't know basketball like you know basketball that's just what i see that's fair my most dominant team of the week i am gonna go with because it's a team i can do this the abs front line Lance Cog, McKinnon, Ranton, because that's a team. That's a little line. That's a team. That's the most dominant team in the league. They have been balling, and they came out firing. They came out swinging. McKinnon is playing like the best hockey player in the world, which he is. Fight me about it. And uh, this ass front line has been unbelievable. Yeah, that w- those were the crickets that I was listening for from Edmonton because they won't have any comeback after that McKinnon thing. Uh, I dubbed it the Mile High Connection line, by the way, in my blog a couple weeks ago on the Unhinged Sports Network, unhingedsn.com is where you can check that out. That's going to bring us into our first break. We'll hear from Fanatics because we just talked about all the playoffs. If your team's making a run, make sure you have our Fanatics link handy because it'll help us out, and then you'll also be able to get the newest gear. Maybe go retro like what Nico's wearing if you're watching us on YouTube with the the black Skyline jersey from the Denver Nuggets team. There's always great stuff there on Fanatics. That's all coming up with our segments after the break here on the Unhinged Sports Network. You're listening to the Far End of the Bench podcast. Benchwarmers of the Unhinged Sports Network, we have business to tend to. We are still partnered with Fanatics, the home for any kind of sports merchandise that you can think of. And Nico, tell the people what they can find if they go to the Fanatics app in our bio at FEOTB Pod. We got so much stuff you can get off Fanatics right now. NBA playoffs are about to start. NHL playoffs are starting as well. Both teams, you get any of your gear from Fanatics. Go get your jersey of fair team. If your team wins this a cup, go get good. your Fanatics gear. Uh, go get uh, go get the championship gear on Fanatics. Excuse me. Um, we have baseball starting up as well. Mountain. Our Rockies aren't the best, but you know what? There's All Star game gear on Fanatics. So if you're in the Colorado area, you want to go get um, some All Star game gear. Go to the Fanatics, our Fanatics shop. And as well, man, the NFL draft just started. I know Jimmy's got his Joe Burrow yes, jersey. Why don't you go get a Jamar thing. Chase one now? Those icy whites or Go get yourself a Trevor Lawrence jersey, Justin Fields, or even if you're a Bronco fan, get you a Patrick Sertan number two. 
yeah there's a lot of great stuff if you're a sports fan and you're not getting merchandise from fanatics i don't know what you're waiting for at this point the best place to get all geared up anything that you could want any sport any team and it helps out the unhinged sports network as well nico the best part about 2021 and things starting to open back up again has to be i mean it's the bars opening up man we got the nugs and abs in the playoffs and where, where else am I going to go watch them than our friends up at High Alpine Brewing, don't you think? I mean, it's a lot better than the alternative that we had to do last year, sitting at home watching by yourself and drinking beer. Now you can go out to one of the best, youngest breweries on the western slope of Colorado, out there in Gunnison, the High Alpine Brewing Company, and you can enjoy a great handcrafted beer brewed in the back of the brewery, actually. They hand-brew all of their different recipes that are on the menu, get a nice pizza, sit down and watch some playoff basketball or playoff hockey with, I think, one of the coolest communities in the state of Colorado. They also just opened up their patio seating, so be sure to go check out Scott and the High Alpine Brewing Company. You can check them out on social media at High Alpine Brew, and if you're ever in that area, it'd be worth the drive to go take a little bit of a scenic route to Gunnison and enjoy a nice cold beer and some playoff sports with High Alpine Brewing Company. Welcome back, bench warmers. Jimmy Pilato, Nico Bryant, Far End of the Bench podcast. Be sure, like I said before the break, hit up that Fanatics link. Get your favorite team's gear. It's all there. Um, these This will not be something that you should be looking for for Fanatics because now we're getting into bench warmer of the week. Uh, and mine's unfortunate because he is the greatest American player in the NHL right now. But Austin Matthews, another first-round exit. He didn't show up seven games in the in the playoffs, five points. He only had one goal and was a plus one overall in his time in the postseason. Just his regular season numbers this season, 52 games, 66 points, 41 goals, and was a plus 21. Where did this guy go in the playoffs? You're the bench warmer of the week. You were supposed to be able to win that series by yourself. You didn't win that series. So Hey, hey, all I care about, you can lose all the series in Toronto, but next year when the Winter Olympics comes around, I can't wait to rule for you. You better be balling out for Team USA. That's all I care about. <laughs> he's going to be very well rested because he's not yeah. playing playoff hockey. Very true. My bench on the week, man, Yusa Nurkic. In the Nuggets' three wins the series, Nurkic has fouled out every single one. The dude can't guard Jokic. He can't. He physically can't. It's impossible. You can throw cancer on him. You can throw mellow fucking on him. He'll he, he show who the real fifth team is. Um, but, man, the, the, these these big man, these quote-unquote big man for Portland can't guard number 15. Nurkic no. is one of many. <laughs> I only picked out Nurkic because he's fouled out in three games a series, and we've won all three. Yeah, he's got to be frustrated because he's also going up against a guy Denver let go for him, and he's just proven why it was the better decision because Nikola Jokic is – is that good? I know you watched that documentary. I'm gonna to have to watch the documentary on Jokic. Um, I don't know it, if that's what it has. You... Yeah, it has Serbian subtitles, or it, it's all in Serbian, but some American luckily translated it for us. So, God, man, I love that man so much. Yeah, good on that guy. Let's get into our partnership segments now, and we'll start off with what's brewing, presented by our friends at the High Alpine Brewing Company. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at High Alpine Brew. Uh, their patio is open, and they got great beers on tap. So I'll, I'll let you go first because mine, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I want to hear what's brewing in your world. It's June 1st, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, June 2nd, as you're listening to this, you know what that means. It's, it's, it's A-Rod time, baby. 
It's eight there was a sixteen and a half million dollar salary cap bubble that just burst and just bursted uh, in Denver. And look, we all knew nothing was going to happen June first, but the Packers came out and said that they're that they're that they're going to make Aaron Rodgers play his bluff. They think that he's bluffing. <laughs> he's fucking bluffing. He's going to retire. He's going to face fucking gone. And they have to make a decision soon. Because Jordan Love doesn't know he 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 he's throwing to rest. he's Demonte Adams isn't at practice Robbie Tanya isn't at practice he's at the fucking tight end camp all their best receivers are gone because A Rod's not there so at some point they got to make a decision okay well A Rod you gonna retire or the fucking retire or we're trading your ass and you're doing whatever and guess who is all here with all open arms the Denver Broncos this sports this this sports town is already thriving except one team. <laughs> Except for one team, and we're well, not going to talk about them. Yeah, I mean, two I was teams, say. But, but two teams. But if you're here, then we have three teams thriving. Yeah. So, just think about the possibility, man. Think about it. it's June first. You know, things are opening, man. You can have a full packed house at Mile High Stadium. You could. This could be. This could be Jokic's, Aaron Rodgers, and fucking Nathan McKinnon City. I, oh man, I would love that so much. I thought it was far-fetched that they were going to be able to entice Peyton, and they did that. Crazy things happen. Why hey, wouldn't hey, it happen? L.A. played golf with Aaron Rodgers like a month ago, I heard, so if anything's possible. Not tampering, though. Quote, unquote, not tampering. There's been a million and a half. You know, his girlfriend's from Boulder, still has a house in Boulder. Shout out Shannon Woodley. There you go. It's all about who you know, right? It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. Also, that with arms wide open, we we're waiting with arms wide open. Let's go ahead and let's bring that into my what's brewing, because I mentioned it. The Carolina Hurricanes raid a Twitter trolls from their uh, Twitter account, because if you didn't watch the final game of the first round in the Central Division between Carolina and Nashville, Creed performed during the first intermission, which, hey. Look how the mighty have fallen. They were doing sold out shows and now they're the house band in Nashville for the Predators games. Um, but they've initially just posted the picture of Sebastian Ajo after he scored the overtime series clinching goal, hands up in the air, only caption on the picture with arms wide open onto the next round. <clears throat> it doesn't it doesn't stop there because then they went and made one of the best memes that I think I've ever seen. And it's the Nashville Predators. If you're a hockey fan, you know why this is funny, but it's the Nashville Predators standing in front of a graphic with three banners hanging. The first banner, Taylor Wan crushed a beer. Second banner, Creed performed at first intermission. Third banner, second loudest house in the NHL because Carolina is the first. And that's only funny because, you know, Nashville raises banners for president's trophies. Yeah. So if you're, if you're the Carolina Hurricanes, that social media guy needs a raise and maybe move him up to GM because he's obviously smarter than everybody else. Carolina's social media team has always been incredible. They've always been hilarious. They've always done some stupid things. But talk about downgrade. No offense to Creed. I like their music. But you had – I mean, Carrie Underwood was performing intermission reports. You had Tim McGraw. You had Toby Keith. You had Luke Bryan. You had um, yeah. uh, uh, Blake Shelton. And you, everyone was like, fuck it, no. Just give them Creed. Give me Scott Stapp or give me nothing. <laughs> this ain't 2000, bro. They have, look, no, no I look, I, I listen, I like some of their music, but like, this ain't 2000, bro. Get something better. Like, look, the, the only good thing. Before Captain, like, come on. 
the only, the better the only thing that would one up it is that if uh, Nickelback plays at one of the Canadian games, because that's the Canadian version of Creed, and it would basically be the same thing. I want to see it. Why not, Scott Stapp? And give me give me the leather bracelets and the long hair back. I need I need a reason to wear a skull ring and my wallet chain. I don't really have those things, but we when Scott Stapp was on my when Scott Stapp was on my TV, I was like, Am I in two thousand three? What's yeah, going on? What, what, what are we doing? Oh boy! All right, uh, that's what's brewing. Like I said, presented by our friends at the High Alpine Brewing Company. Now let's move into Off the Hinges, presented by the Unhinged Sports Network at Network Unhinged Unhinged SN. Be sure to check out the Fighting for a Dream YouTube series, and we're actually uh, we're recording an interview this w- weekend with Aaron Ellis that you guys will be able to hear in a couple weeks, the quarterback for the Solargrad Gold Diggers, the main team that's being followed in that Fighting for a Dream series on the Unhinged Sports Network YouTube. Um, And I'm going to surprise you here. I'm pulling out a tennis story. Oh, this is much needed. This is much needed. Yeah. Naomi Osaka is the second-ranked female tennis player in the world. She's taking a lot of – Yeah, I believe she won Wimbledon last year or a couple years ago, correct? Yeah, she Something has a lot like of that. majors at a super young age. Yeah. She won the U.S. Open, French Open a few times. She's won a lot of, a lot of, lot of uh, Grand Slams. She's 23 and is taking a massive amount of heat in the media because she said that she doesn't want to be in front of the media she's going to have to face when she goes to the French Open. Um, and it's a mental health issue concern for her. She's been very open about the fact that she has some depression bouts and she has anxiety, especially when she's going to deal with media. And not only did this disqualify her from competing in the tournament because it's required that you need to play, be in front of the media to play, she's being fined $15,000. And I have a direct quote here from one of the Grand Slam commissioners. A core element of the Grand Slam regulations is the responsibility of players to engage with the media, whatever the result of their match, a responsibility which players take for the benefit of the sport, the fans, and for themselves. Nowhere in there is it mentioned that this is a mental health concern that Osaka is citing as a reason she doesn't want to be in front of it. And it's really making her out to seem like the bad person in this because she's depriving the fans of the interaction that they deserve. First of all, fans don't deserve a fucking thing from athletes. Other than the play that they give you on the court, that's really all all you can say that you deserve when you pay a price for a ticket. If somebody doesn't want to get up if somebody forced you to do something that you didn't want to do and say that it's for the benefit of somebody else who you have no, you're never going to come in contact with. Why is that? Okay. But this is, this is not okay. When she says, I really don't want to go in front of the media. It causes me big anxiety. I don't want to deal with that right now. I'm in a place in my life where I don't want to deal with that. And she's getting shamed, shamed for it. This is awful. This is one of the worst sports stories that's come out since everything was shut down back, back last year. I do want to correct you here one one second. He, she she wasn't excluded from the tournament. She she removed herself from the tournament. She got fined. She was never taken out of the tournament. So it wasn't okay. the, the French Open. The the people from French Open didn't take her out. She just decided to remove herself from the tournament. Um, but they're they're they're. I mean, look. Shout out Naomi has been. I mean, you, you talk about that U.S. Open Championship, I think it was either November or maybe October or something along those lines, when she wore the Kobe jersey out there and she was emotional. She, like, like, people people like her, like like us, like, they just, people out there struggling. And 
it's important to highlight those issues. I see the point of, of, of regarding your media, your media recommendations and being there for people because Naomi came out and even said when she, when she removed herself from the term and said, I meant no disrespect to the term. I meant no disrespect. She, she wasn't doing that. It wasn't, it wasn't a, she, she said, I will do all the interviews I can when my, when my head is in the right place. But I, I, I full heartedly agree that it's, it's important to take into these characters, these player per, players, these, these professional athletes um, lifestyles as well, because like I said, it's so demanding. It is so demanding. We, we both played high school, college sports, and it's, 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 it's a demanding thing that you demand so much of you, high excellence, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it just doesn't work out for you. And as great as of a player Naomi is, she is even a better person. I couldn't be more happier for her standing up for herself. It's something it would make if people all had, if you just use the same empathy that you have in everyday life, when you see somebody struggling and allow that to be something seen in a professional athlete, just because they're on your TV screen doesn't mean that they don't have days where they don't, they, they can't do what they're expected to do. And that's okay. It has to be okay. Mental, mental health awareness month is over, but mental health is always something that is okay to be causing some kind of issue in your life because it's not going to be the end end of it. That issue is going to be able to be resolved, but you do have to take the moment to acknowledge it happening and then try and do something to make it a little bit better for yourself. And I think that's what she's doing. That's why I, I didn't, I did think that she got kicked out of the tournament for it, but I don't agree with the $15,000 fine. I get that it's part of contractual obligations and stuff, but it seems a little bit excessive to do almost like you're kicking somebody when they're down. Your mic's away again. I get that point, but it's all, I also get the point where like, if, if you don't set a precedent, you don't set a rule standards then other players are just going to do that out of spite. And there is a, there is, there is media parts to the game. Like you're like there, there, there should be obligations of to some point. There should be so far to, 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 to make someone feel bad about themselves if they're not in the right mental space or whatever. But there are certain parts to the game of being a professional athlete, whether no matter what sport it is, um, of, of, of pushing those media, media um, propagations. Yeah, I mean, if it was her just saying that she didn't feel like doing it, that would be something. But when she's actually citing a, a thing that she struggles with, then I feel like you can take that into consideration and say, exactly. okay, I get it. So we'll, we'll figure it out, but that we, was, we can, we, you can talk with her. You can figure out what's a good way to go around this. Would you rather mm -hmm. not do live interviews? Is there a way we can just, we can still get the word of how you played out without barking at you, whatever it may be. There's, there's, there's definitely ways around it, but I can't appreciate what Naomi did more than enough. But. What's uh, what are you going off the hinges about then? I mean, my off the edges is fans acting accordingly because it, it's gone out of hand. Like I said, like a little bit earlier, we we could get to a point where we're not allowed back to stadiums because of this stupid stuff. I, I was sitting at the Nuggets game tonight. My dad made the point. It was like, you look at the security. We may never – I mean, the Knicks had this point, but we may never get back to the point of where we had courtside seats because of social distancing and, the, and fans not being able to control themselves. We may get to a point of that. That's terrible, man. That was that was always a dream as a kid to get courtside seats, be be this close to your favorite player. Like, 
you've got to be able to be respectful to the players on the court. At the same time, you can root for your team. Booing is fine. Doing things in a respectful manner where you're not attacking a person personally, but you're yeah. attacking the player. There's a difference between the two. You can hate the player, but when you talk about the game, I don't like Melo as a player. But I respect everything he's done in his career, and I respect everything he did for the city. But right now, he's the opponent, and I'm going to boo him. But doesn't that doesn't doesn't mean I don't respect the man at all? There's 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 levels to this, and I just hope we don't see this escalating into anything like the Mouse Palace. Yeah, that would it would be. I mean, it, it seems like that would reset everybody. And maybe the the only reason this wasn't happening before the pandemic was because people weren't cooped up for so long. And I really think before the only reason that this was not happening is because the fans decided collectively we aren't going to do this. But now that we have some that are saying, you know what, maybe why not? I'll take the chance. Yeah, ten minutes of shame or whatever, or ten minutes of it. It could be something. It, it could get ugly, and that was Malice at the Palace is a fun video to go watch because you see the idioc- idiocy and what can happen to you if you're a jackass at a professional sports stadium, but it's still not a good thing. Like Ron Artest beat the crap out of that guy. There's a lot of people that got very injured that night, so let's not have another issue like that happen. That would be a good thing to avoid. Um, but that's Off the Hinges this week presented by the Unhinged Sports Network, and now that moves us to what's on your screen presented by the far end of the bench podcast follow us at feotb pod um, we're working right now we're in talks with another company about some sort of sponsorship as a network they so have a new name this, for this yeah we may have a new name for this at some point but for now follow us at feotb pod shameless plug um and mine is basically just playoff hockey i haven't missed a minute of the av series and now i gotta go start scouting those can- canadian teams and watch pretty much every winnipeg versus montreal game see how they're gonna try and attack us but uh this vegas series i see becoming very very interesting and i'm gonna be on high alert i'm forcing myself to not be as active on twitter because i'll say something stupid that's just in my nature apparently when it comes to the colorado avalanche but just know I'm watching. If I'm not tweeting about it, I'm still watching and I'm still hunkered down, still in my lucky jersey, still drinking my Colorado Kool-Aid because those are the two lucky things that I've had so far in this playoff run. And I'm still waiting for the Avalanche to come away with a victory, no matter what. All I'll say that, Jimmy, is just I'm not going to watch the Canadian series because I'm not going to look too far ahead. You got to think in the right mindset, right? Right mindset. It's the offensive lineman in me. I want to watch film and I want to study. One game at a time, one series at a time. My what's on my screen, obviously, game six, Thursday for the Nuggets. Must win. I hope we win so it makes my life easier. I'm a lot less hectic because <laughs> I'll probably be at game seven Saturday <laughs> if we get to that point. So I hope we don't get to that point. Um, and then, obviously, the abs game as well. But but also, you mentioned it earlier, the PLL is back, baby. We got – we got um, if, you got, if you guys have Peacock TV, I can say that now because we don't have affiliates anymore with the other brand. Um, Peacock TV, you can watch all the PLL games. It's a fun time. Roll Woods, baby. I got the Redwoods. Jimmy's back – Jimmy's back in the uh, the water dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. So, uh, it's, it's – like I said – on the first games are Friday. It's it's uh, my Redwoods versus Chris Hogan and the Boston Cannons, and that game's at five o'clock, which is perfect because the abs don't start till eight, <laughs> so yeah. I can watch both. So it's perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, that's what that's what's going to be on my screen um, when I, when when it's not playoff basketball, playoff hockey. If there's a meaningless game on, I'm going to be going on 
lacrosse this weekend. And shout out, Maryland um, lacrosse uh, won the college national championship as well this past weekend. They had an unreal game, one of the best lacrosse games I've ever seen. Or seen. I mean, I didn't get to watch it because I was watching basketball, but one of the greatest highlights or um, video games like, games I've ever seen. Yeah, that might be one that we have to throw into our new YouTube content that we mentioned last week with the how it could have sounded. Also, don't forget, we're, we're watching a PLL game where I'm going to have a live reaction. That'll be the first lacrosse game I've ever watched on TV. Nico's going to laugh at me, and then we'll watch Olympic wrestling, and we'll do the same thing back at him because those are the – we both had the two main sports. Basically, it was football. Nico was basketball. Mine was football, and uh, I played baseball for a good portion. But then wrestling and lacrosse – I like that out there sport that we both love and know a lot about, but he knows nothing about wrestling. I know nothing about lacrosse. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully it's a Redwoods versus water dogs game that we do too, because that'll make it even more interesting. That's what's on, what's on your screen presented by the far end of the bench podcast. And now let's move into our beats of the week. Like we said, we are degenerate. Well, Nico's a degenerate gambler. Hey, I've been uh, doing but hey. pretty well. I've been doing pretty well. And you're not I, betting I, body I, parts. I, 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 did, I did pick Montreal to win game seven. They were the underdogs. Then I also hit uh, um, Washington plus eight the other night, and I hit um, um, or Utah minus five, and I won 60 bucks in one night. So I'm on a high streak, ladies and gentlemen. I'm feeling myself. We're back, baby. <laughs> okay, we're back. And that's that's why you should listen to us. Uh, my first one that I have, Winnipeg, in the game that they're playing tonight, as you're listening to this, it's game one of that series. They are minus one and a half. I think that these games are all going to be close. I don't think we're going to see very many blowouts because Hellebuck and Carey Price are playing on unreal levels. Um, but the Canadians, so I have, I like the Winnipeg's, Winnipeg minus one and a half is plus 195. Um, and even though Montreal has momentum after what Colorado did to Vegas in the first game, after Vegas came off a seven game series in the first round, I just think that Winnipeg, this ba- this game is basically going to be a wash for Montreal. I think Winnipeg is going to be able to win this one. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I, mean, I don't know. Montreal has their goalie defense step up because Shea Weber is still stud back there. They could be interesting, but. My first beat of the week. Oh, man, did this piss me off today. Tyron Woodley is an underdog against Jake Paul. What are we doing? Oh, right. By the way, Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather Sunday because we weren't going to get it in otherwise. What what are we doing? I'm going to deposit $5,000 into my account and bet it Uh, on Woodley. Yes. If if Tyron Woodley somehow loses, man. Oh my God! Don't show your face ever again. Don't don't show your face ever again. And and honestly, same with Floyd. If Floyd yeah. loses this weekend somehow. If Floyd loses around this weekend, he's gonna he's gonna be in a world of trouble. Oh my God! I don't know. Honestly, I really don't know how to feel about this whole long, thing. Long time listener, friend we had on the pod, Jeremy came up with a good point. I kind of want to see Logan Paul and Jake Paul win just because of the fucking insanity that would happen on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter would go nuts. It would Twitter burn down. Would be obliterated. That would be the quickest. That would be the quickest time something has ever trended in, in fucking history. <laughs> every, and every, those. Every account across the fucking Twitter sphere, or whatever it's called, wow, Twitter sphere. I knew what that was. Twitter sphere. We yeah. talked about it. Those guys would make so much goddamn money too. Oh God. So much money off of that. 
It's insane. The fact that I can report that Jake Paul signed with Showtime Boxing is insane. The fact that we can report he is fighting Tyron Woodley, who I know he's 39 and washed up as a UFC fighter, is a That's former 170 pound champion, 70 pound champion, has power. Like if he catches Jake, it's gonna it's not gonna be good for Jake. But also we saw Jake Paul knock out Ben Askren. Like there are different elements that you could look at both sides of this thing. If Jake catches Tyron, oh my god. Like like at that and point the cannons. At, at that point, I'll give him respect. I, 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 yeah. I will. I, I'll fucking say, you know what? Fuck it. You're, you're I want to see him fight for it. I want to see him fight for a title if he beats Tyron Woodley. G- give him Connor next. Fuck it. <laughs> Just if, obliterate all boxing numbers. If he beats Tyron, I bet you that's the next match. I bet you that's the next fight. Because Connor loses to Diaz or not Diaz. Uh, um, Poirier. Poirier. He's fucking done in the UFC. He'll just fucking start yeah. making promotional fights. He just he did sell uh, proper whiskey for a pretty penny too, so I I know that he's not hurting to fight. And he's got that he's going got... for me. It's just more yeah. uh, it's just more money to the fifth house and like the second <laughs> yacht, you know, and all to the all to the other luxuries. That's a turnaround. Cashing welfare checks to being a multi 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 hundred millionaire in like eight years, ten years, however long it's been since You're Conor McGregor burst on. He's could be a, that's a turnaround yeah, story. Vice Jake Paul, honestly. Yes, yeah, that, that would be something. Uh, my next beat of the week, you're not gonna like this. Vegas plus one sixty. If I'm just looking at this from a strictly betting sense, Vegas plus one sixty is a little bit too good to pass up in this series. I don't think that you're gonna see a better return on your investment for a bet in this series, money line wise. So. I'm also trying to say this so I jinx it because that's mainly what I do. Vegas plus 160 doesn't look like a bad line to me for game two. Yeah, I think Vegas is going to play better. Is that just for game two? Or is that – That's just for game two. Just yeah, for game two. Yeah, game two is looking at it as a non-biased standpoint. I don't hate that at all because I think both these teams are evenly matched. The question is, is who the fuck are they going to put in net? If it's Lanier, I'm fucking taking the abs the whole way. If it's Fleury, yeah. it's going to be a it's going to be a shootout. So I don't hit that one at all. My next one, I have Mavs plus two ninety to win the series. Down with the LA teams. That's simple as that. I, I'm rooting for Dallas the whole way through. Like I said, down with LA, down with Brooklyn, down with New York. Get all these high markets out of the way, and give me all these young guns. Because look, I saw a great point on Twitter. I did want. I, I forgot to say this earlier, but no one batted an eye when it was Kansas City versus Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. No one. Those aren't big markets. The NBA has done a, such a piss poor job at marketing lower level or, or quote unquote smaller cities that we're at the point where if it's not LA versus New York or Brooklyn, then it's not going to have ratings. That's terrible. You got to promote your stars. Giannis is a star. Donald Mitchell is a star. Damian Lillard is a star. All you do is promote LeBron, 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 LeBron. This ain't Guillermo on the on the Jimmy Kimmel show, bro. Like we we got we got we got to start promoting other teams and and giving some other these other cities love because that's what the NFL is far and away above they're above everyone else because like Denver, Denver is not a big city, but it is a marketable town that people want to come to. It is a city that, oh, I want to come play for the Broncos because of the history. People don't come to the Nuggets. I'll tell you right now, unless, uh, I mean, uh, it may happen in a few years, but we're not attracting LeBron and we're not attracting Giannis in, in free agency. We may because of Jokic, but like we have to build up. And, and the NBA has done a terrible job at promoting their lower level teams. 
not lower level, not lower level, second tier cities. Yeah, they the difference between the NFL and the NBA is the NBA markets their stars, the NFL markets their uniforms, and when you do that, then you have teams coming from these smaller states that are able to do something. I agree with that. That's a hundred percent correct. But I also think that's the way the NBA is set up, and I don't know if they can change that model quickly. It, it could change at some change. point. Yeah. yeah, it would be awesome if it did, but I just don't know how quick that thing yeah, is going to change. Because right now the favorites, right, or I mean Brooklyn is a favorite, but people are saying we could see a Utah versus Milwaukee NBA Finals. I would love that. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously, I wouldn't love Utah because I'd rather be the Nuggets. But like, we get a Utah versus a Milwaukee NBA Finals. That's that's Giannis versus Donovan Mitchell. That is bucket after bucket. That would be the most marketable one of the most marketable series. You wouldn't have to overuse the same fucking hype videos every year with LeBron and Steph Curry. You may get to throw in a different hype video. How about that? Whoa, we're talking about somebody other than LeBron in the finals. Whoa, uh, inconceivable. Uh, my last beat. It's college football because I'm already – I had my first practice as a youth coach today. I'm already jonesing for college football. Arizona State plus 450 to win the Pac-12 in 2021. Under Herm Edwards, why not? Why not? Why not? You're not you, this is one that if you put right put in right now, you don't have to worry about it for almost a whole year. Talking about by the time, State, right? Yeah, Arizona State. The Sun yeah. Devils winning the Pac-12 in football plus 450. I'm going to tell you right matter is a good story but it's it's you you have faith in oregon i mean i have faith in the buffs in utah more than i do uh the buffs are plus three thousand yes because they lost a lot of people they lost a lot they lost a lot Um, but demetri stanley who's his former teammate of walter wires could be a starting starting uh wide receiver and no former teammate could be starting linebacker so i'm gonna root the buffs on the whole way um but yeah that's that's an interesting one who's the favorite it was probably oregon wasn't it Oregon. Um, it was Oregon, USC were the top two odds. USC I think has it was. that good quarterback, so I think I could see USC. Yeah, that, they were another one that I was – yeah, they they had a top – I think top three recruit in his class. Um, they're such an interesting – like where they were in the early 2000s with Pete Carroll and where they are now is so different. It's almost like Texas. You can't even remember that they were their dominant program in the history of college football because they are so underwhelming right now. We're back. <laughs> the Pac-12, I, everybody knows this that's hey. listened to the show for a long time. The Pac-12 sucks eggs. It's a conference of champions, baby. In everything other than, in anything other than the very physical sports, it's the conference of champions because baseball and basketball, it's fine. Football. Not good. Not so much. Not so much. Pillow soft. Pillow soft. My last right. beat of the week. Uh, my, 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 my last beat of the week. I have uh, some UFC back. We there was it was a weird Saturday night. There was no UFC on. Like I, I didn't know what to do with myself because there's no Nuggets, no Avalanche. It was a weird day. Um, but uh, Augusto Sakai and Josie Rosenstriker is the uh, main event. Two heavyweights. Um, two absolute mm-hmm. Animals. Rosa Strike has been on. He, he's been on tear, but he did lose his last fight. And Augusto Sakai, I remember watching him on the Dana White's Contender Series. He's a pretty damn good fighter. So I, I'm taking Sakai at plus 104. Yeah, I think. I mean, that matchup specifically, that's one where it can either be really explosive, really exciting, or it's going to be a heavyweight. Remember yeah. the heavyweight fight that we saw? I think it was Mark Hunt, Ben, ben Rothwell at Pepsi Center, and those two were not prepared for 
what what was going to happen at at altitude. But I do or, think, or you can talk about uh, Derek Lewis and Ghana. <laughs> yeah, that that's the best too. The, this one should be, I mean, gangbusters. I think if Sakai, this is not a next shot at the title, but this could set you up for a contender shot. So if Sakai wants to get that knockout Rosenstruck, if I think Rosenstruck, the only way that he's going to be able to win this fight is by finishing him. I don't oh, think yeah. that he wins a decision. I don't uh, think either of these guys are really going to look good in the decision. Yeah, I think if it goes to decision, then, then something bad happened or it was the biggest news fest of all time. <laughs> Not going to be good. All right, uh, tell me who your player of the week was, and then we'll wrap up with player of the week before we send everybody home. Player of the week, I'm going with two because I can. Austin Rivers, first of all, his game three performance, unreal. Game recasted, unreal performance by Austin Rivers. And then I'm going Monte Morris tonight on Tuesday as I'm talking about this. Monte Morris stepped up big time. He stepped up big time. He is in the, he is in the point guard role of Jamal Murray, and he dominated the game night and night out. It's 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 going to be a fun series uh, going forward. Game six and game seven are going to be very very interesting. Doing that, and before I let you go with your player of the week and your player of the week, there is a good. I know I said this last week. There's a good chance MVP is announced within the next week. I thought it was this week because they usually do it the first couple games of playoffs. Good chance it happens next week, and Jokic looks like he's going to be the winner. And I just hope, man. And I, just, I hope to, to hope to God that that they can they, they give him the trophy in front of the home crowd, because that will be one of the most chilling things. Because the first MVP in Nuggets history, the first player to ever do what he's done, and he is the leader, and he is this organization. And if if they hand him that trophy in that arena, possibly fully packed out with nineteen thousand people, man, that that would be unreal feeling. Yeah, I don't necessarily want the Nuggets to have to go seven, but if they do, that sets up a pretty special moment for yeah, game seven win, at Ball Arena. Yeah, just win game six, and you can do it first or second game of the second round, right? That too. <laughs> Make life or easier. that. That works too. Uh, my player of the week is another basketball guy, Trey Young. Uh, 36.7% from three-point line right now in the playoffs. He's playing 35 minutes a game. He is the reason Atlanta is probably going to win their first-round series, and he's the reason why – People are going to look at Atlanta as a pushy five seed in the second round of the playoffs. So he's done enough. Mainly, he's like the – he's very similar, I think, to Fernando Tatis as like a young guy who's very cocky and he lets you know about it. So people hate Trey Young. But you can't deny the fact that he's playing out of his mind right now and he's the reason why his team is going to be able to make a little bit of, of a run in the postseason. So for that reason, I'll give him player of the week. Uh, I don't mind the celebrations, but I could see how – a celebration after every single play that you do can get a little bit much at some time. I mean, he's doing it in Mass Square Garden. You gotta have a little fun. You gotta have a little fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's your what's your play of the week? My play of the week is MPJ game winner three. Of course, you saw the picture, man. That's 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 gonna be my screensaver. My you you name it. It's gonna be everywhere for me for so long, man. That was chills. That that like, like I said. I remember screaming at the top of my lungs. I, I am very surprised my voice is held on this far. <laughs> I am very, very surprised my voice is held on this far. My, I, my work tomorrow, I'm going to be dead silent. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I'm not going to be saying a peep. Um, but, man, that, that game that, that game winner, it's, it brought all the feels back. Um, going back to, like, I, I met, there's a picture in my family's house of my dad 
um, being in Seattle when, when Dikembe held the ball in, in between his hands. My dad was holding a mountain Mutombo sign in the stands in between all of uh, Supersonics, or Supersonics fans everywhere. And now I have a picture with my dad with me on an MPJ Gimp winner and one of the biggest shots of his career. And seeing Melo in the bottom half of that picture just adds, adds more fuel to the fire. There you go. Uh, and MPJ has now been your screensaver twice since we've been doing it's this true, podcast. Because his baptism, the yeah, the baptism of Montrez Herald was your your screensaver for a while. So MPJ living on the on the FE OTB pod screensavers. And now my play of the week, I'm going to do more than one because you did more than one player of the week. Uh, Gerard to Makar to Landy. That was the, the goal that Landis Scott scored. Right? The, the back and forth? Yeah. Yeah, well, Gerard found Makar. Makar did his little moonwalk, made a couple guys miss, and then found Landeskog, and they were talking about it on the broadcast. Most guys would have to catch, go backhand, and then put it back on the forehand. Landeskog and Makar have such good chemistry. It was just a one little tap. Like, he settled it, opened the blade, and then tapped it in over the top of laner. It was a beautiful goal. And then uh, McKinnon being able to just skate around everybody, Spit and Chicklets even said it was like you put one created guy on the ice and was playing against the third line of the other team because he did a full circle 180 banana route behind both defenders of Vegas. And then Laner just was like, I don't know. What do you want me to do? I'm not stopping him one on one. It's when you turn the NHL sliders to where your team is super fast and the other team can't move fast out of their skates. And that's exactly what happened. There was no oh boy. There was no. They were just like that's a misplay. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna look fun on film. That's never gonna stop playing. It's gonna be on every single highlight package of the Avalanche moving forward throughout this playoffs. Just like the one he does it against Vegas. He likes those playoff snipes against Vegas or or those big breakaway snipes against Vegas. So I'm hoping we see a couple more Mac attacks. But M- M- shout out Mosier. Mosier coined the Mac attack. He also coined the Matt Duchesne. I love Mac attack way more than I, I love the old Matt Duchesne. And, and, and he coined the phrase step back, Jacob Bloom, baby. There you go. Yeah. That's going to – so that's play of the week. And that's going to bring us to the end of this episode, 1 o'clock in the morning. So we're even recording this on the same day that you guys are hearing it. We don't need a thank you, but we are heroes. We just understand that. We're, we're putting our uh, sleep – and, and well-being on the line for you guys because we wanted to get here and talk about these playoff sports that's going on because it, it's great. You said it at the beginning, blood and guts everywhere. I know that's Altitude Radio that you got that from, so shout out to Altitude Sports Radio. If you want to give me a job, I'll, I'll gladly take one from you guys. But it's blood and guts all over, so we had to, we had to show a little bit of playoff grit tonight. It's playoffs, man. We don't sleep till it's over. No sleep till it's over. We're going to be grinding all playoffs, man, because both of our teams are going to be zooming, zooming. I'll tell you that. There you go. For the Far End of the Bench podcast, like I said, follow us at FEOTB Pod. All of our social medias, you can also follow us on the ColorCast app. So when we're back on there doing games, um, we you'll we'll, be we'll able to, to get yeah, a notification. 
Yeah, we'll try to get game six in, or we'll try to get another game in here soon. I know we have been complacent because, like I said, I'm at most Nuggets games, and it's hard to figure out times that aren't at Avs games because we want to watch that game. It's, it's because the it's because the sports gods blessed us, man. They blessed us. We get Nuggets and Avalanche on opposite days. They don't play the same day, so we got blessed. So we it's been tough. We're busy all week, but that doesn't mean you can't join us. Wednesdays live on the Unhinged Sports Network from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern is when you can hear the premieres of our new episodes, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. I also host Two for Chirping, which is the hockey show that's Fridays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Um, if you want to just hear me break down all of the NHL playoffs, I had Griffin Youngs, who's the host of the Tell It As It Is podcast on last week. And I think I'm getting Jim on this week, which won't be as fun now that the Canadian division worked out the way that it did, because it was looking like we were going to get the Bruins in the round of four, but that's still going to be a great show. Um, follow the Unhinged Sports Network at Unhinged SN on Instagram at Network Unhinged on Twitter. UnhingedSN.com is where you can find the blogging content. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, leave a five-star rating with a review so we can read it on the podcast and make fun of you or let you make fun of us. Because if it's, if it's got five stars, we're going to read it. And I think with that, we're going to wrap up this gritty playoff episode. Thank you guys for tuning in Jimmy Pilato and my co-host Nico Bryant, the far end of the bench podcast. We will see you guys next week. Peace. When the night is cold and low, this is a dollar belpy. Was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them prices, I made it a habit. Towing them pistols and serving them addicts. That was exciting to me. I'm so excited to be. Started with nothing, we had to inspire to be. Out of physics, I'm getting me. I'm getting to it. Feel like the man, I got the plan. I call the shooters, they out with the van. Play with the squad, get piled like a slam. Piled like a perk, I'm going here. I'm going crazy, I'm yeah, we sticking up for nigga. Like that music, I look a slam. I'm in the kitchen, compressing the bird. Take out a nine and I said,